Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Now, we do a thing here at Fighting for the Faith, and it's called Prophecy Bingo. We're not doing that today. Uh, in fact, for this month, we're not going to be doing Prophecy Bingo. Instead, what we're going to do is an extremely long and detailed teaching on how you test people who claim to be prophets or messengers of God. So you'll note when somebody says, I feel the Lord telling me that uh, there's going to be suddenlies in the, in the upcoming season, even if they don't claim to be a prophet, they are at this point claiming to be carrying a message from God. So they are messengers in this particular case. So prophets and messengers, we're going to use them interchangeably. And how do you know whether or not this person is really, truly from God? And so this is how we're going to spend this episode of Fighting for the Faith it is going to be a long one, um, well over an hour, lots of scripture. So, you know, grab some popcorn, grab a Bible, uh, grab, uh, uh, you know, something to write with to take notes. And hopefully you'll find this, uh, this episode of Fighting for the Faith to be very helpful moving forward in light of, you know, just the, the sheer number of people out there within the charismatic movement, Pentecostal, and in the New Apostolic Reformation. Yeah, the NAR is a real thing. It's not a conspiracy theory. Uh, people out there claiming to be hearing from God, claiming to be prophets, claiming to be messengers from God. We're going to show you biblically what the real tests are, and we're going to blow up the false rhetoric coming from these, these groups, charismatic NAR Pentecostals, regarding prophets. So... Let's get into it, shall we? Let's whirl up the desktop. And what I'm going to do today, I've actually prepared a very long uh, keynote presentation. You know, I'm a Mac user, so keynote is our thing. I, I'm not a PowerPoint guy. I, you know, I, I'm not a Microsoft guy. I haven't been. I, I use it from time to time when I have to, but uh, alas, I don't have to. So we're going to use keynote, and uh, and so we're going to walk through these slides together, and we'll also bring in some biblical text, and we'll bring in some sales examples from people claiming to be prophets today, you know, to give you examples of what to do here. So the biblical tests for all, and I mean all people claiming to be prophets and or messengers of God. And for the sake of argument here, this presentation is going to assume that prophecy can occur today. That way, no one can claim that my arguments are invalid because, meh, cessationism, right? He's a cessationist. <laughs> okay, so we're going to take that, we're going to take cessationism off the table. And we're just going to basically say, all right, fine. You believe that, uh, that we can have modern prophets today? We're going to actually hold their feet to the fire biblically and prove that there isn't a single person out there claiming to be a prophet today that passes the biblical test. Not one. I, in all of my years and more than a decade now, close to two of seeing people like this, claiming to be prophets from God, claiming to be messengers from God. I used to be in the latter rain movement back in the eighties. And uh, I, you know, I, I, we were at our church. We were, we were really progressive. The church I attended to, we had a prophetess over us, a ruling prophetess, right? So I've been around the block and I can legitimately say out of every single prophet or prophecy that I've ever heard, none of them pass the biblical test, not a one. So let's uh, let's dive into this, shall we? So here's the idea. 
Today's prophets and messengers from God would, would like you to believe that behind them, you can't see them, but behind them, God is speaking, that the words that they are bringing you are actually words from God. That's their claim. And so you'll note this, they're speaking authoritatively, words that are not in the Bible, claiming to be delivering messages and prophecies directly from God. So here's the issue, is that both the Old, uh, Old and New Testaments, they require us to test for the source of a prophecy. And we're going to note here, there are, there are a lot of people out there claiming, oh, well, you know, Old Testament prophecy is different than New Testament prophecy, and Old Testament prophets had to be accurate, New Testament prophets not so much. There isn't a single biblical text that says that. There is not a single text in the New Testament that says the Old Testament tests don't apply. In fact, if you pay attention to the details of the New Testament requirements and the Old Testament requirements, the standard is the same. It's exactly the same. You must determine the source. That's the requirement. So, so we're going to note here, there are some differences though, and here's where the difference is. The standards are the same for both the Old and New Testament. You have to determine the source. The temporal penalties are different. So in the Old Testament, if you're a false prophet, death. Okay, this and you don't you don't get a second chance. One false prophecy makes you a false prophet, and death is the penalty, the civil penalty. Now, the reason why this isn't applied today it is actually quite simple. When we look at the Old Testament, the laws in the Old Testament, they are they include civil laws that related to the kingdom of Israel. They included moral laws that apply to all people in all times. Uh, you know, so think Ten Commandments. And they also included ceremonial laws that were related specifically to the sacrifices in the old temple. And the old and the temple sacrifices and all of the feast days of the Old Testament are type and shadow who find their fulfillment in Christ. So when it comes to the civil laws and it comes to the ceremonial laws, those are no longer in effect. However, the moral law is, but both the civil and the ceremonial law still give us great insight and understanding as to what is right and what is wrong and whether or not something is, is egregious and horrible in God's sight or whether something is holy in God's sight. You get the idea. So we still learn from the these things, despite the fact that the temporal consequences for giving a false prophecy in the New Testament, we don't stone them, we mark and avoid them. That's what we're supposed to do. We're, we, are, we are bound by God's word to not listen to false prophets. We cannot listen to them at all. And so, but we're going to note then. So the standards are the same. You have to determine the source. The temporal penalties between the Old and New Testament, they're different. However, the eternal consequences are still the same. Eternal consequences. So if anyone fails any of these tests... That person is a false prophet. There is no such thing in all of scripture as somebody who gives a false prophecy who is a true prophet. There is no such thing in all of scripture, old and new, of somebody who uh, is has he gives a failed prophecy and they're still considered okay with the church. Nope, that is not, that doesn't exist. 
in either the Old or the, uh, Old or the New Testament. So uh, anyone who fails these tests is a false prophet, and God the Holy Spirit forbids in his word, in the New Testament, he forbids you to listen to the messages of false prophets. And if you are loyal to God, if you are faithful to the commands given in his word, you would not listen to false prophets. Once they are shown to be false, they fail the tests, you switch them off. You don't support their ministry, nor do you go with this attitude. We need to eat the meat and spit the bones. Baloney, scripture says to mark and avoid, have nothing to do with them whatsoever. Okay, so that being the case here, so no alleged prophet then gets a free pass or the benefit of the doubt. Scripture makes it clear you have to test immediately. You don't get to push off the tests. You don't have to sit there and go, well, we'll wait and see. No, no, you have to test immediately. And, uh, and this is going to require a lot of rigor because there's more than one test when it comes to testing a prophet. Okay. So all alleged prophets and prophecies must pass all of these tests before they are believed, or at least for their, for the prophecy to even be really considered. Okay. Failure to pass any of these tests results in the rejection of the prophet and their prophecies, the rejection of both. And in today's charismatic and new apostolic reformation, when somebody gives a false prophet, they only reject, uh, they, sorry, when somebody gives a false prophecy, they only reject the prophecy. They don't reject the prophet, but scripture requires us to reject both. And you're going to see this very, very clearly. So what are the biblical tests? The biblical tests require you to determine the source. You must determine the source. And so that being the case, we're going to, we're going to note here in the New Testament, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, it states very clearly, Beloved, this is written to Christians, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Note here, we are commanded by God, the Holy Spirit, to test the spirits. Why? Because many, not some, not few, a scant smattering of, no, no, many false prophets have gone out into the world. Okay? So note, the biblical text test requires Christians to ascertain the source of the prophecy. This requirement, by the way, is found in both the Old and the New Testament. Moving on, 1 Thessalonians 5. This is often thrown at me. Okay, do not despise prophecies. Prophecy bingo despises prophecies. No, it doesn't. Prophecy bingo despises blasphemy. And there hasn't been a single true prophecy that we've aired on any episode of, of Prophecy Bingo. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. So note here, you have to test first, okay? So we are required to hold fast to what is good. That would be true prophecy. And the reason for this is that God is the one speaking to us. And we, all Christians, all Christians are duty bound to hear and listen to and obey God's voice. 
This also requires us to not hold fast to, but to reject that which is bad or false, which means it must be determined first, whether it is true or false, whether it is good or evil. And the, and I'm going to note here, today's charismatics and people in the New Apostolic Reformation, they don't test at all, and they reject the biblical tests. Why? Because none of them can pass the biblical tests. So they reject the biblical texts, tests in order to basically make it so that they can continue to have a platform among people who call themselves Christians. We continue. So everyone who gives a false prophecy is guilty of the sin of blasphemy and breaking one of the Ten Commandments. And here's where Wayne Grudem fails. This is, and I, I kid you not, Wayne Grudem, if you're watching, you have utterly failed because you teach that people can give false prophecies and still be true prophets, that they can give false words and still be true prophets. That doesn't happen because one of the Ten Commandments is you shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain, for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And when we look at what the Hebrew says here, okay, it is unmistakable what this commandment is talking about. And people today, I, I'll be blunt, they don't know the Ten Commandments. You know, I, I, I see a lot of Christians lamenting, they've taken the Ten Commandments out of the, out of the public schools. And I would just like to chime in and say, yeah, and your false prophet, pastor, and so-called uh, you know, apostles, they've taken the Ten Commandments out of your church because you don't even know them. If I were to quiz most evangelicals, tell me the Ten Commandments, right? They wouldn't be able to give an answer. But the commandment in Exodus 20, verse 7, is actually quite clear. You shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain. This is the sin of blasphemy. Now, a lot of people think that this has to do with merely living an immoral life as a Christian or the texting in your, in your iPhone, OMG. But that's an incomplete definition here. So when we look at the Hebrew, lo uh, tishah. Uh, Eth Shem Yahweh Elohacha Lasha. Okay, let's take a look at what this says. Okay, my translation: You shall not carry. Tasha means to carry something. So you shall not take or carry the name of Yahweh your God to. And then here we got the word Sha. Vanity, emptiness. But watch what the word means from the Brown Driver Briggs Hebrew lexicon, okay? So, shah can mean emptiness, nothingness, or vanity, okay? To t make God's name ineffective, to take up God's name in a vain, to no good purpose way, right? But watch definition two, emptiness of speech, of false prophecy, when you say something like, thus saith the Lord, right? And uh, uh, so if I were to say, thus saith the Lord, that in the, in the 2022 midterm elections, there's going to be a red wave of Republicans sweeping and taking the House and the Senate, right? 
when I say, thus saith the Lord, or the Lord told me, or I feel the Lord saying, this is a message from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is leading me to tell you. The, all, these, all these qualifiers, they, they, mean, they mean the same thing. If I had said anything like that and then gave that prophecy, I have now just carried God's name into complete emptiness. I have given emptiness of speech a false prophecy. And as you're going to see, one of the tests that needs to that needs to occur is when there is a prophecy related to the future, if it doesn't come to pass, that means Yahweh isn't the source of that prophecy. That being the case, the person speaking those words is a false prophet because they have, and not only that, they've sinned. They have broken one of the 10 commandments. You shall not carry the name of Yahweh your God to vanity, to emptiness. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. They are breaking one of the 10 commandments. Every false prophecy without exception causes the person to break this commandment. That's just the reality of the situation. So when people say, well, we need to learn how to hear God's voice more clearly. Um, no, because you're encouraging people to sin. Every single false word spoken in the name of God is blasphemy. If God is not the source and it's demonstrable that that is the case, you have broken one of the 10 commandments. Every False prophecy breaks this command, okay? So <clears throat> note here, listen to what Peter writes in this regard, talking about how God's name is blasphemed, it's brought to emptiness by false prophets and false teachers. And here's what it says, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, because of these false prophets, because of these false teachers, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed, will be brought to emptiness. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Okay, next text. Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 24. Paul says this, if you call yourself a Jew and you rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent. Now we're going to note here, there's another way in which you can blaspheme God. And that is by being a hypocrite, uh, calling people to live morally while you live immorally. That is another way in which God's name can be brought to emptiness. So the whole point of this text here is to point out that there are multiple ways in which you can blaspheme God. You can blaspheme God with your words, by your false teaching, by your false prophecies, but you could also blaspheme God's name through hypocrisy. 
That is a more complete understanding of what it means to not take God's name in vain. And it is not one to the exclusion of the other. Both are always in play. So if you call yourself a Jew, you rely on the law, you boast in God, know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law. And if you, and if you are sure that you are yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourselves? Hmm. While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? Think of like what happened with Hillsong, right? And uh, in Hillsong, New York City. And just think of the complete, how everything flew apart there because of the sexual immorality of their vision casting leader, who all the while was preaching against sexual immorality, right? You who say one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, you dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blaspheming among the Gentiles because of you. So you'll know, when it comes to taking God's name to vanity, to emptiness, it can be done in word, false prophecy, false teaching, and it can be done in deed, hypocrisy and an immoral lifestyle, whilst claiming allegiance to the law of God. All right, so that being said... We have to then take a look, since the scriptures, both old and new, require us to determine the source of a prophecy or message claiming to come from God, okay? We cannot ever just assume that when somebody is speaking, that God is the one behind it. Nope, you never get to assume that, ever, okay? Especially if they're on YouTube, especially if they're in the NAR, right? Because here are some of the other potential sources for these so-called prophecies. One, greed. That is a, one of the sources listed in scripture. Uh, Second Peter says, again, false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Think of Ken Copeland. COVID-19, I blow the wind of God on you, right? He, he brought the, uh, the pandemic to an end back in March of 20, 2020? No, he didn't. But he, he went, remember what he said. I speak in the, in the, in the office of the prophet, right? Yeah, he was speaking in the office of the prophet. And, and did the, uh, the COVID pandemic come to a grinding halt in March of 2020? No, but one thing we know about Ken Copeland, oh, he's, oh, oh, he's all about you sowing a thousand dollar seed offering into his ministry, sowing the seed of faith, right? So that you can reap a harvest because, and how many private jets does this man own? Mm -hmm. So you'll note that greed can be one of the sources, okay? This one's not going to make people happy, but this is what the scripture teaches. One of the other sources is Satan and the demons, this is clearly taught in scripture. Now the Spirit expressly says, this is 1 Timothy chapter 4, that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. 
So when somebody is a, is like a, a braggart, a teller of tall tales, and there's a whole lot of tall tale tellers in the charismatic movement, they 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 are they are very thin on biblical teaching, very deep in um, in telling so-called personal experiences and eyewitness accounts that they claim that they saw people raising from people raising others from the dead, uh, people leaving their wheelchairs and being healed and all this kind of stuff. Uh, these are these are liars whose consciences are seared, and you're going to note then that concurrent parallel to that th those types of people. Th these insincere liars, they are teaching the doctrines of demons. That's what Scripture says. Okay, next source. You're going to like this one either. Um, it may be that the person who is claiming to be a prophet is just mentally unstable. That is also given as an option in Scripture. Second Peter 3, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent, be found in him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all of his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters. And there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So sometimes the reason why we're dealing with a false prophet is because they are ignorant of the scriptures and they are, they are not, they're not stable. They're, they're cuckoo banana town. That, and that's legitimately the case. Okay. And then of course, Jesus warns us explicitly, beware of false prophets. And, and you're going to know false prophets don't come to us sitting in the ground. I think that we should just worship Satan tonight. So, uh, you know, oh, el, el Diablo, you know, we invoke thee, right? No, they don't do that. Satan's messengers always are masquerading as angels of light. His false prophets are wolves in sheep's clothing. And you're supposed to check to see whether or not the fur is legit. You're supposed to do that. You, you, you don't just take a prophet and sit there and go, well, that looks like sheepskin to me. No, you have to actually test. See if you can rip that sheepskin off. Jesus says, beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. You're going to recognize them by their fruits. And the fruits are going to include... Their doctrine, the content of their prophecy, as well as their life, their lifestyle. All of these things must be weighed before, before you listen to them and say, well, I think this is an actual prophecy from God. Okay? That has to be determined ahead of time. So you're going to recognize them by their fruits. Jesus insists, demands, scripture demands that you check the fruit before because you have to hold on to that which is good, which means you have to determine what's good and what isn't before you hold on to the good part. Okay. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Nope. Are, are figs from thistles? No, not even close. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. The diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and is thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their 
fruits. Doctrine, content of their message, and their life. All of it has to be weighed and tested first. So what are the biblical tests for determining the source of a prophecy? And we're going to walk through these in order, and we'll throw in some video too along the way. All right. Test number one, this is the one that is always disputed because it's found in the Old Testament. But remember, we already looked at uh, 1 John 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So the accuracy test is one of the tests for determining the source of a prophecy. And here's where it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Here's what it says. And watch this. This is clearly a source test, which means it still applies. Okay. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. So according to the Mosaic covenant, civil law, penalty for false prophecy is death. New Covenant, the, the penalty for a false prophet is they're cut off. They, they are to be marked and avoided, and nobody is to listen to them or support them, okay? They are to be cast out of the church and treated as heretics. That's what the scriptures see. That's, so that's the only difference, is the civil, you know, the temporal penalty. So now, here's where the test is. If you say in your heart, how may we know the word that Yahweh has not spoken? This is a source test. How do I know the word that Yahweh hasn't spoken? This hasn't changed. This is still the same today. Okay. And here's the answer. So when a prophet speaks in the name of Yahweh, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that Yahweh has not spoken. It's actually just that simple. We're just first John four requires us to determine the source. One of the ways of determining the source. All right. So you're prophesying something's going to take place in the future, right? Okay. And it doesn't come to pass. Who spoke that word? Was it Yahweh? No. So you're going to know, of course, this is still the case. Now let's do a little work on this, shall we? Okay, let me whirl up my, <clears throat> all right, that's Troy Black, but let's, let's go here first, okay? This was a video posted by Chris Vallotton of Bethel Church, Redding, California, and uh, this was all the way back in uh, a year ago, a little more than a year ago. All right, so here, here, actually almost two years ago now, okay? So listen to what he says here. But secondly, I really want to apologize, sincerely apologize for missing the prophecy about Donald Trump. Uh, I prophesied um, that Donald Trump would be president four days after he, uh, four days after he uh, took the no nomination. Did you notice the smirk on his face? There's a psychological um, phenomenon called deceiver's delight. Google it. Okay, watch again. Look at he's he's not sorry for what he said at all. Listen to what he's watch watch his face, his body language says it all. About Donald Trump, uh, I prophesied um, that Donald Trump would be president four days after he, uh, 
four days after he uh, took the no nomination, uh, the first time, uh, four days after he declared himself a candidate, I should say, the first time. And um, I, that was obviously right. And then later on, I prophesied that he would um, not be impeached, and in fact, that he would win another term. And I was completely wrong. I take full responsibility for being wrong. There's no excuse for it. I, I think it, um, it doesn't make me a false prophet, but it does actually create a credibility gap. It doesn't make me a false prophet, but it creates a credibility act. That uh, gap, credibility gap. Hmm. All right, let's go back here. How may we know the word that Yahweh has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of Yahweh, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that Yahweh has not spoken. So apply this test here. Chris Vallotton claimed that God told him that Trump would win the 2020 election. And he got it wrong. And he says, that doesn't make me a false prophet. Yes, it does. You have broken the commandment from Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You've broken one of the Ten Commandments and you've drugged God's name into complete vanity and emptiness with a false prophecy. Was God the source of that prophecy? No. And you'll note when we go back, let's let's do this here. We're going to go to one John. Hang on a second here. One John four one. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out in the world. According to the New Testament test for determining a false prophet, can we de definitively say that God did not say to Chris Vallotton that Trump would win the 2020 election? Answer, yes. That makes Chris Vallotton a false prophet because he spoke in the name of God when God wasn't the one who gave him those words to speak. Now, let me give you another passage real quick here. We're going to we're going to go into the Old Testament and we're going to go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 28. Let's take a look at an account here. Uh, Jeremiah versus the false prophet Hananiah. And this is a vital text because there's a verse in here that you have got to hear and see. It still applies today. And the person says, well, this doesn't apply today. This doesn't apply. Show me the biblical text that uh, show me the biblical text that says that somebody can falsely prophesy and they and that God was still is still the source of their prophecies. God is can't God can't be the source. Okay? When somebody gives a false prophecy, God is not the source. 1 John 4 de demands that we determine the source. So watch how this plays out. All right. So in that same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, the king of Judah, in the fifth month of the fourth year, Hananiah, this is the false prophet, the son of Azor, the prophet from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of Yahweh. So he's in the temple itself, in the presence of the priests and all the people saying, thus says Yahweh Sabaoth, the God of armies, the God of hosts, the God of Israel. I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon within 
in two years I will bring back to this place all the vessels of Yahweh's house, which Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. I will also bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, and all the exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, declares Yahweh, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. That's quite the prophecy, right? It's utterly false. God didn't say those words to Hananiah. The source is not Yahweh. But watch how the showdown works. So then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to Hananiah, the prophet, in the presence of the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of Yahweh. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. Well, may Yahweh do so. That may Yahweh make the words that you have prophesied come true and bring back to this, this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of Yahweh and, and, and all the exiles. Yet, yet hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, famine, pestilence against many countries and great kingdoms. This is true. Uh, read Isaiah, right? As for the prophet who prophesies peace, when the word of that prophet comes to pass, then it will be known that Yahweh has truly sent the prophet. So what is Jeremiah doing? He's invoking the source test, the accuracy test at this point to determine the source. When the word comes to pass, then it will be known that Yahweh has truly sent the prophet. And here's where the showdown is going to get interesting. So then the prophet Hananiah took the yoke bars from the neck of Jeremiah, because Jeremiah was told by God to put a yoke around his neck and to prophesy that people are going to have to submit their, their necks under the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, right? And okay, so Hananiah took the yoke bars from the neck of Jeremiah, the prophet, and he broke them. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people saying, thus says Yahweh, even so, I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations within two years. But Jeremiah the prophet went his way. But God's not done with Hananiah. God's going to deter, de definitively prove that Jeremiah is a true prophet and that Hananiah isn't. So sometime after the prophet Hananiah had broken the yoke bars from off the neck of Jeremiah, the prophet, the word of Yahweh came to Jeremiah. You go and you tell Hananiah, thus says Yahweh, you have broken wooden bars, but you have made in their place bars of iron. For thus says Yahweh Sabaoth, the God of armies, the God of hosts. The God of Israel, I have put upon the neck of all these nations an iron yoke to serve Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. For I have given to him even the beasts of the field. And Jeremiah, the prophet said to the prophet Hananiah, listen, Hananiah, Yahweh has not sent you and you have made this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says Yahweh, behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have uttered rebellion against Yahweh. In that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. Now, remember what it says up here at this verse, right? 
As for the prophet who prophesies peace, when the word of that prophet comes to pass, then it will be known that Yahweh has truly sent the prophet. So Jeremiah says, you're going to die this year. Guess who died that year? Hananiah. The word of the Lord in the mouth of prophet Jeremiah came to pass. The word that Hananiah spoke never came to pass. Judah was in exile in Babylon for 70 years. But here, God was trying to basically debunk Hananiah by giving a true prophecy, a short time prophecy. This year, you're going to die. And guess who died? Hananiah. What does that mean? That proves that the source of Jeremiah's prophecy is God. Hananiah, the source of his prophecy, not so much. So when we take a look at Chris Vallotton, I prophesied that Trump would win and he didn't win, but that doesn't make me a false prophet. It means you fail the source test. The one thing we can say with certainty is that God, the one true God, Yahweh, wasn't the source of Chris Vallotton's prophecy. Therefore, Chris Vallotton is a false prophet. He fails the accuracy test. So let me let me back this up and so we can hear, hear, hear this in context. And he'll go on for just a little he bit more. He would um, not be impeached and the fact that he would win another term. And I was completely wrong. I take full responsibility for being wrong. There's no excuse for it. I, I think it um, it doesn't make me a false prophet, but it does. Yeah, it does. It actually makes you a false prophet. You spoke, you, you, you drug God's name into emptiness, into vanity. You gave a false prophecy. You spoke words that God did not speak and you blame them on God. And as a result of it, God's name is being blasphemed by, by unbelievers. Actually create a credibility gap. A lot, of, a lot of people trust me, trust my ministry. And um, I want to say that I'm very sorry for everyone who put their trust in me. And that, um, and then there was this um, major, major mistake. And it's not a mistake. You failed one of the core tests of whether or not somebody's a true prophet or a false prophet. And you proved that your prophecies, that God isn't the source of them, any of them. All of, your, all of your prophecies are false. All of your claims, the Lord is telling me this, and the Lord is telling me that, they're all false. And that is objectively verified by your failure to pass one of the most basic tests of a prophet. Okay, And uh, who can forget this particular so-called prophecy from, uh, from Troy Black? Hey, y'all. This is Troy Black. So I have a word from the Lord to share with you today um, about a storm in the month of May. And I honestly wasn't planning on filming this video today, or especially right now. I mean, my hair's not even fixed. I look crazy. <laughs> I was actually, a few minutes ago, I was in the living room playing a video game, of all things. And I just felt the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, show up while I was sitting there playing this game. You know, like this old school Nintendo game. And felt like the Lord told me I needed to film this video right now. So that's what I'm trying to do, trying to be obedient. Um, before I jump into this word, uh, I do want to say, I don't claim to get everything perfect, um, you know, in hearing from the Lord. Um, when I stand before God, you know, at the, the judgment seat of Christ, I'm going to say, Lord, I tried my best. Like, you, you tried your best. What does that have to do with anything? I made mistakes, and your grace is going to have to fix the rest. It's going to have to fill in the gaps. So I'm submitting this word to y'all. Um, I'm not making a declaration necessarily, but I'm trying to be obedient in sharing what the Lord has given me. Um, I've gotten several confirmations about this. 
several confirmations. He got confirmations about this. I personally didn't want to share this one, but I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me I need to. And so this was on March 8th when he told me this. He said, uh, Anchorage, Alaska area, that area is going to have a severe storm in May of this year. 2021. That's going to, to destroy many things. And then he said, transportation systems, and then I heard fail. So I'm guessing something's going to happen with trans some transportation systems. And then the next day, March 9th, uh, the next night, I was praying, waiting upon the Lord, and I started to see a vision of polar bears. I saw a mother bear and a baby bear, and they were at this deserted campsite in, like, uh, just a snowy, you know, flatland, all covered in snow and ice. And the campsite was, like, destroyed, decimated, spread around, and they were just rummaging through. And so um, I got the, uh, I got a slight impression that it could, that could mean that there's going to be um, a larger and then a smaller, you know, storm, perhaps, or it could just be that there's going to be, you know, uh, two different things going on at the same time. So anyways, then uh, I did some research, found out that uh, Anchorage, Alaska, normally uh, the polar bears are a little more north than that. You can't see them in the wild in Anchorage. You can see them at the zoo. Um, and also May is actually the, uh, it's when the weather is getting better. So normally there's not severe storms. Um, so th this is one of the reasons why I didn't really want to share this word, because I'm like, well, the research doesn't line up, Lord. <laughs> So we did an entire video showing the, the, the weather of, uh, of Anchorage, Alaska in May of 2021. We published that the first part of June of 2021. Uh, we'll put it, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do that thing, you know, where, you know, we'll put a link to it so that you can, you can check that out. Um, he, he completely got this wrong. And according to the accuracy test, which is not an, it is not an absolute test, I'll explain why in a minute. Uh, according to the, uh, the accuracy test, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? We can definitively say God did not tell Troy Black that there was going to be a massive storm in Anchorage, Alaska in May of 2021. When the prophet speaks in the name of Yahweh, if the word does not come to pass, that is a word Yahweh has not spoken. That person's a false prophet. Troy Black is a false prophet. Okay, now, I've made the claim, and I'll, I'll back it up now. Just because somebody passes the accuracy test doesn't necessarily mean that they're a true prophet. So you're going to know the accuracy test is only going to determine whether they are a false prophet, but it doesn't necessarily prove that they are a true prophet. There are more things that have to be considered. So we've already taken a look at Jeremiah 28. When the word of, of the prophet comes to pass, then it will be known Yahweh has sent the prophet. If it doesn't come to pass, Yahweh didn't send him. That's still in effect today. Okay. So there's a second test then that we have to consider, and there's more tests here. Uh, the, the orthodoxy test, okay? In Deuteronomy 13, it says, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, okay? But if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the, Yahweh your God is testing you to know whether you love Yahweh your God with all, uh, with all your heart and with all your soul. So the accuracy test can prove somebody's a false prophet, but it cannot absolutely prove that they are a true prophet. Now you have to test their beliefs. You have to test their orthodoxy. So this is kind of how this all then plays out. In 1 John chapter 4, 
okay, we are told to test the source, okay? Do not believe every spirit, but test to see whether they are from God. Well, John goes on to say this, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, well, that's from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So you have to determine whether or not they're actually believing and teaching and confessing in the true biblical Jesus, Okay, what, so if they if they are believing in a false Jesus, the God of Mormonism, the God of Gnosticism, you know things like this, they're false. Okay, so so this is okay. So that okay. So um, so every every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you've heard was coming and is now in the world. So little children, you are from God. You have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world. Another another thing. False prophets, very worldly. They speak from the world, right? And the world listens to them. So we are from God. Whoever listens to us, uh, uh, whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So if if they're Gnostics, they believe in a false Jesus, false gospel, false spirit, they're a false prophet. Also note that false prophets are worldly people and true prophets. If there's a true prophet, know this. Whoever knows God listens to us. That true prophet would be really, truly anchored in the apostolic scriptures because everyone who knows God listens to the apostles, the apostles of Jesus Christ, the ones who wrote the Bible. That being the case, true prophets are not going to attack God's word. They're not going to undermine God's word. They're not going to teach doctrines contrary to God's word. They're not going to add to God's word. They're not going to teach a false Jesus, a false spirit, or a false gospel. Instead, they are going to really, truly be anchored hard in in their entire ministry revolve around the scriptures. Everyone, whoever knows God listens to the apostles. That's what, that's what John said. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. How are they handling the biblical text? Are they just kind of pushing them aside? Are they tampering with them, twisting them? Uh, yeah, well, then they're a false prophet. Okay, we go on. Jesus says in Matthew 24, False Christ and false prophets will arise, and they will perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. So Jesus is saying, listen, listen, there's a time coming when false prophets, they're going to actually be able to perform true signs and true wonders, big ones, great ones. And Jesus expects you to be able to tell by their doctrine whether or not they are true prophets or false prophets. You see, there's a day coming when the Todd White, you know, level of miracle, you know, like here, I'm going to pull your leg. Okay. You know, this is, this is why way, this is a great, a great way of thinking about Todd White's miraculous abilities. Okay. Watch this. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, look at that. Yeah. So Todd White's miracle ability is kind of like this. Okay. Um, that there's a day coming when that will go away. And Todd White, I don't know if it would be Todd White or somebody like him, will legitimately be able to perform a miracle, like calling down fire from heaven or some kind of great sign and wonder. 
And Jesus is saying, there's still a false prophet, which requires you to do what? To test their doctrine, test how they handle the word of God, because they'll say something's going to happen and it'll happen. They'll be able to call down fire from heaven and it'll come down. And people, uh, TBM will go, oh, he's a true prophet. And Jesus said, nah, it's still false Christ. These are still false prophets. And how do you know? Their orthodoxy, how they handle the word. Okay. Um, you're going to note when it comes to kind of house rules in the body of Christ within the church, we look at the standards required for men in the pastoral office, right? Uh, so here's one of the standards, and it's from Titus chapter one. He, a pastor, must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, they are empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party, and they must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. So one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Well, this testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. So standing house rules in the house of God. Anybody who is teaching in Christ's church must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught by the apostles and give instruction in sound doctrine and to rebuke those who contradict it. Standing house rule. And this, this house rule then kind of puts it this way. So the orthodoxy test includes evaluating how an alleged prophet handles scripture. Okay. Second uh, Timothy says it this way, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, but avoid irreverent babble for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the, the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows uh, who are his, so let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. What iniquity are we supposed to depart from? False teaching. And those who are bringing the false teaching, the false teachers. So note here, we have to be able to rightly handle the word of truth. That's a standing order in the church. In fact, even the apostles followed this, okay? Uh, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we renounce disgraceful and underhanded ways, and we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Even the apostles refuse to tamper with God's word. Now, the Greek word for that, by the way, is the verb is dalao, dalao, and note what it means, to beguile by craft, to make false through deception or distortion, to falsify or to adulterate. So Paul is basically saying, we've refused to practice, we refuse we apostles, we refuse to practice cunning or to adulterate, to falsify, to make false through deception God's word. 
So if pastors are required to rightly handle God's word and the apostles of Jesus Christ, they refuse to tamper with God's word and to falsify it through deception, don't you think that today's prophets would also be required to meet this standard? Of course they are. Okay. Think of it this way. If an alleged prophet cannot rightly handle biblical texts and should be rebuked for twisting God's word, the alleged prophet then is a false prophet. The Holy, Scripture, Holy Spirit is clear. Only sound doctrine and rightly divided scriptures are permitted in Christ's church. If God, if God were really talking to them, these alleged prophets, then God would tell them to stop twisting his words. Yes, he would. So let, let's take a let's take a look, a look at a couple, a couple of salient examples of this, shall we? Hang on a second here. I'm going to. There we go. All right. Let's see here. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Let's let's do this. Let's test the orthodoxy of Troy Black by listening to how he handles God's word and what Jesus he's claiming he's in communication with. So this is from a live stream from really, really recently. When was this? This was just like nine days ago. And I'm recording this on, what is today? The 16th of December. So this was less than two weeks ago. Okay. And listen to what Troy Black says here. And, And let's ask the question, does he pass the orthodoxy test? Is he rightly handling God's word? And is the Jesus he's claiming that he believes in the biblical Jesus. See what you think. (laughs) I hear the Lord saying, come on in. Come on in. (laughs) Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Lord. Uh, (laughs) Y'all, I, I hear I, I just hear Jesus saying this and it sounds weird, but I'm gonna say it. I just I'm just being led by the Lord. I just hear I just hear him saying, let's get drunk together. Really? The biblical Jesus is saying to people through the prophet Troy Black, let's get drunk together. That's not the biblical Jesus. Drunkenness and getting drunk is a sin, according to Scripture. Why would Jesus say that? Now, watch what he does here, because he's 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 not saying Jesus is saying let's open up you know a, a case of Schlitz and uh, and let let's just get hammered. And, no, he he's going to say this means something different. It has to do with something to do with spirituality. But note how how his Jesus leads off. I hear Jesus saying, let's get drunk together. This isn't the biblical Jesus. So Troy Black fails the accuracy test. Troy Black is going to fail spectacularly the orthodoxy test as well. And I'm going to explain that. The word says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. What he's talking about is he's talking about no more inhibitions. He's talking about being fully uh, just surrender to and yielded to the whole. Why would Jesus use the term drunk to, re, you know, to refer to being yielded to the Holy Spirit? 
And where in scripture does it teach that we need to be yielded to the Holy Spirit, the way you're talking about it? Holy Spirit. And he's talking about being, being uh, drunk on the joy of the Lord. You know, that was what we saw the day of Pentecost, y'all. We, we, you see, Why would Jesus use terminology for something good that is wrapped up in sinful words? Drunkenness. You look in scripture, you see the day of Pentecost. There's, there's all these believers who get hit with. Now watch what he does with Acts 2 here. We're going to debunk this. Yielded to the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about being, being uh, drunk on the joy of the Lord. You know, that was what we saw the day of Pentecost, y'all. We, we, you see, you look in scripture, you see the day of Pentecost. There's, there's all these believers who get hit with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then suddenly to the world, they look drunk, right? They look drunk, you know? It's like, because they're so full of joy, they're so full of life, they're so full of uh, their maker. You know, the Holy Spirit is there with them. They can't contain uh, the way they look, the way they sound, the way they're acting. They can't contain it. The joy of the Lord is just- They look drunk? It's all over them, you know? And, and to the natural mind, people looked at that and they thought there's no way they could be having that much fun unless they were drunk, right? But what we, we know by the word that they weren't drunk on wine, but they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we commune with Jesus together, you know, like he, we are, he, he says he is going to take up the fruit of the vine again on the, you know, the, uh, the marriage supper of the lamb, you know, in heaven with us. Right. But right now, guess what? We get to commune with him, that word communion, where there's the bread and the wine, you know, we get to commune with him because his body was broken and we commune with Jesus through the presence of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And the more of the Holy Spirit that comes, the better it gets. <laughs> and the more you look like one of those people on the day of Pentecost, right? Sometimes, like, sometimes the Lord just says, okay, this is it. You know, you're getting hit. Is that the biblical Jesus? And did he rightly handle Acts 2? Let's take a look. So Acts chapter 2. Let me go. I need a, a, I need a New Testament text. Acts 2. Okay. Let's just test this. So when the day of Pentecost arrived, they, the apostles, the believers in Jesus, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each, uh, each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at the sound of the multitude came together, they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. So the, what Acts highlights is not that they were acting drunk or behaving in a way where they were overcome with joy. Instead, they were speaking to people in languages they never studied. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galilee Galileans? How is it that we hear each one of us in his native language, Parthenians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. It doesn't say we see them behaving with great joy and acting in a way that we can only interpret as being drunkenness. Okay. And all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. Nothing here about them behaving in a drunken, in a drunken fashion at all. Troy Black just read that into the text. He twisted Acts 2. Why didn't God the Holy Spirit correct him? 
because he's claiming that the Lord is speaking to him right there. And Lord, the Lord says, uh, let's get drunk together. Nope, that's not the biblical Jesus. So then Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall it shall be declares uh, shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men dream dreams. Even on my male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall uh, they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So he points out that this was prophesied by Joel. And his punchline is everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. So the, the, the charge of drunkenness was by those who were mocking. And it wasn't because they were behaving with joy and exuberance in, in, in a drunken fashion. It was because they were declaring the wonders of God in languages they had never studied. That's what Acts says. So Troy Black has twisted Acts 2. And the Jesus he claims is talking to him is using language that makes it sound like Jesus is saying he wants you to come and sin with him. This isn't the biblical Jesus. Troy Black fails the orthodoxy test. He failed the accuracy test. He fails this at least, this is a great example of him failing the orthodoxy test. But how, how does the old Ginsu knife commercial go? But wait, there's more, right? So let's take a look at another example of his mishandling of biblical texts. And, uh, and let's see what he does with this. Let me, let me back this video up just a little bit to the starting point, which I have as 2606. I'll start right here and watch what he does with first you know he contradicts scripture and adds to it in this in this portion of his live stream. even like you know for the global church and all of that kind of stuff it, that's important i believe it's critical it's part of you know but but we prophesy in part is what the word says you know and we all have a part to play listen i believe the closer we get to the end and i believe i'm speaking this by the spirit right now the more and more every single believer in the church is going to be prophesying the closer we get to the end every single believer in the church is going to be prophesying we're going to show how he contradicts the, the, the scripture with this. Not just one person in a church, not just two, not just the, you know, the school of the prophets over here, not just, you know, the, the, these prophets online, not, not just that, that person on the elder board with a prophetic gift. Every believer is going to be prophesying. But Okay, let's take a look at a biblical text. This contradicts 1 Corinthians 12. So he's saying that the Holy Spirit is telling him something that contradicts the Bible. Sure sign he's a false prophet. So let's take a look. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul makes it very clear that God gives differing gifts, and he uses the different gifts. He uses the analogy of a body and then different body parts, eyes and ears and mouth and things like this, right? So, and that we all need each other. So the eye shouldn't say, well, I'm, I'm not important because I'm not the mouth or you know, stuff like this. God gives differing gifts to fill out the body of Christ for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. So in 1 Corinthians 12, then Paul says, now you are, all, are, you are the body 
of Christ and individually are members of it. And God has appointed in, in, in the church first apostles, the second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping administrating in various kinds of tongues. And then he asks the question, are all apostles? Me pontes apostoloi. The Greek particle here, may, in the, when it's in a question, means that the question has to be answered in the negative. Me pontes apostoloi. Are all apostles? No, because may says that. Me pontes prophetai. Are all prophets? No. So Troy Black, in the content of his prophecy, has contradicted the clear word of God. Scripture's clear. Not all are prophets, and God gives the gift of prophecy to some for the purpose of building up the body of Christ, but not all are prophets. So watch what he does. Again, let me back this up and look what he, he does. Prophesied. Not just... Hang on, just a little farther. Part of, go. you know, but, but we prophesy in part is what the word says. You know, and we all have a part to play. Listen, I believe the closer we get to the end, and I believe I'm speaking this by the Spirit right now, the more... Uh, he says he's speaking this by the Spirit. more every single believer in the church is going to be prophesying. No. no. Not every single person in the church will be prophesying because me pantas prophetai. Are all prophets? No. Not just one person in a church, not just two, not just the, you know, the school of the prophets over here, not just, you know. He's contradicting 1 Corinthians 12. Oh, the, the, these prophets online, not, not just that, that person on the elder board with the prophetic gift. Every believer is going to be prophesying. But in order to prophesy, this is what the Lord asked me to talk about. So the Lord asked him to talk about this. In order for us all to be able to prophesy was the flow of the Holy Spirit. So what I'm about to say for some people, you know, it we, he, God wants you to talk about the flow of the Holy Spirit. Where in the Bible does it teach the doctrine of the flow of the Holy Spirit? Answer, it doesn't. So Troy Black, not only in his prophecy that he says the Spirit wanted him to say these things, does he contradict 1 Corinthians 12? He's now adding to the scriptures a doctrine that doesn't appear anywhere in the Bible. The, the doctrine of the flow of the Holy Spirit. He's adding to the scriptures. If you're, if you're sitting in, I don't think we have a lot of people on tonight that are in this place, but if you're sitting in a theological, like, uh, you know, like box where it's like the only thing God can do now is, is exactly what we've seen him do in scripture. And note the, the mandatory attack on the cessationists, right? You know, we, we, we got, you know, we, we hear it in the spirit filled churches. We have the fullness of God. Those poor people in those other churches, they, they are, they are missing out. And, and and they're just so narrow-minded. We are we we experience the broadness of of God's gifts. But here's the thing: he fails the accuracy test. He fails the orthodoxy test. He's not a true prophet. We are forbidden by the tests of the New Testament to listen to this guy. We have to mark him and avoid him. The only way we can hear from God and we can experience God is through reading the Bible, and that's it. Listen, what I'm about to say is going to really rub you the wrong way, so <laughs> there we go. I'm not sorry. I'm just saying it, okay? This is what the Lord asked me to talk about. No, he didn't. We, we, we've definitively proven, according to the biblical test, that God is not the source of any of your prophecies. You're a false prophet, Troy. It, the, if, if we want to be in a place where, where we are hearing from the Lord consistently— 
you know, and we're being used by the Holy Spirit consistently and we see the gifts operating. We need to be in a place where we're willing to go with the flow of the Holy Spirit. Says no biblical text ever. The, 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 this is not in the Bible. So he's contradicted the scripture and now he's added a doctrine that is not found in the Bible. The doctrine of the flow of the Holy Spirit. He's a false prophet. All right, let's take a look at another. Um, let's see here. No, no, hang on. No, I've got a I hate to do this one, but I've got to. Okay. Um, yeah. Brace yourself. Okay. So let, let's take a look at this one. It's obvious that she's a false prophet just in this tiny one minute so-called prophecy. Watch what she does. Hi, I'm Kay Nash, and I have a quick prophetic... No, no, Kay Nash, messenger of the Lord. She claims to be a messenger of the Lord. But is she a messenger of the Lord? Not on your life. No way, Jose. So let me back this up. Hi, I'm Kay Nash, and I have a quick prophetic word for you today from the Lord Jesus. The word is this, jump off the boat in the Bible. <laughs> really? The God of the Bible, the Jesus of Scripture is telling us to jump off the boat. Watch what she does. Well, Peter is on a transportation device, a boat, a ship. However, what he did not understand, what he did not realize is that he was his own transportation device. When he encountered Jesus, he understood something different about himself, that he could transport himself. Some of you right now, you have to get rid of the transportation device you're on because you are actually your own transportation device. Is the story of Peter walking on the water, uh, is that about being your own transportation device? No, not at all. So Kay Nash claims to be a messenger of the Lord, and she's obviously twisting the uh, the biblical text as it relates to Peter on the wa walking on the water and saying that God is telling you to get out of the boat. No, he's not. Her twisting of the scriptures causes her to fail the orthodoxy test because she's tampering with God's word and shows that she doesn't meet the biblical standard for, for, for rightly handling the word of God as a so-called prophet. If pastors are required to do it and the apostles did it, prophets have to do the same. So what she's done here is proven that she's, well, she's a false prophet. I think you get the point there. Let's let's go back then to our keynote and we'll, we'll kind of continue on with our our walk through these uh th through these uh, these slides as we consider them. So, again, if a, if an alleged prophet cannot rightly handle bib a biblical text and they and should be rebuked for their twisting of God's word, the alleged prophet's a false prophet. Okay? The Holy Spirit is clear, only sound doctrine and rightly divided scriptures are, are to be permitted in Christ's church. And if God were really talking to these so-called prophets, then God would tell them to stop twisting his word. Next test, the morality test. This is a big one. And I mean big. It's ginormous. Okay? Ephesians 5 and Titus 1. Let's consider the standard regarding Who's qualified to be a teacher in Christ's church, okay? If anyone is above reproach, husband of one wife, his children are believers, not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or dr a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. 
That's the moral qualification for a pastor. Don't you think prophets would be required to meet that standard as well? Uh, Ephesians 5 says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Yeah, that's the standard. So here's a, here's a small list of men who claim to be prophets who spectacularly failed the morality test. Paul Cain, sexual immorality, same-sex variety. Bob Jones, Bob Jones, acting as a prophet, had women take their clothes off in front of him. Todd Bentley, do I need to talk about that? Lonnie Frisbee, okay? These all claim to be prophets, and they spectacularly failed the morality test. These men also failed the accuracy and orthodoxy tests. Every single one of them, they are false prophets. Straight up. You fail the morality. You'll know them by their fruit. That's going to include their life. It's going to include their doctrine. It's going to include the content of their messages. That's what Christ says. So... These men all fail. And you'll note that IHOP, IHOP is completely founded on the prophecies of Bob Jones and Paul Cain, right? Just saying, okay? Jesus says it this way, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You'll note that the will of God is that nobody blaspheme his name or take his name in vain or give false words or cause people to trust in lies or twist and tamper with his word or live egregiously immoral lives. Scripture demands these things. Okay, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many, not some, will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? COVID-19, I blow the wind of God on you, right? Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And cast out demons in your name. Think of deliverance ministries. Christians cannot be possessed by demons, by the way. And do, and do mighty works in your name. You know, like, you know, lengthening people's legs and doing magic tricks and mentalism and stuff. And Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Just saying, the morality test comes into play. All of these men, they're false prophets. Their entire body of prophetic words must be thrown out must not even be considered or named, must be thrown into the ash heap and burned, right? And here then, the content of the prophecy also has to be tested. We've already tested a few of the contents of so-called prophecies. And so false prophets, by the way, they prophesy their own feelings, their own thoughts, they don't prophesy words that come from God. In fact, um, false prophets speak positive words to those who are unrepentant rather than turn them from their sin. Uh, have you ever heard of like uh, uh, you know, over at uh, Bethel and uh, the, the, the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, they go on these uh, uh, prophetic treasure hunts, right? 
And, and, and they'll prophesy over people, oh, the Lord wanted me to tell you that you, you are just the most amazing person ever. Well, that's great to hear. Thank you. I, I happen to be a practicing witch, but wow, that's really neat that God would tell me how blessed I am and how, how much he loves me and, and, and that, you know, and I'm on the right track in my, in my, in my career. That's, that's amazing. Those things are happening. Okay. Here's where we're going to take a look at another text. I told you this episode was going to be long. And it is. So, I, but uh, you know, we're, we'll, we'll take a look at another text in this regard. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 23. Okay. Jeremiah chapter 23, talking about the lying prophets. Here's what it says Concerning the prophets, my heart is broken within me. These are the false prophets. All my bones shake. I, I'm like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine because of Yahweh, because of his holy words. For the land is full of adulterers. Because of the curse, the land mourns, and the pastures of the wilderness are dried up. Their course is evil. Their might is not right. Both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in my house I have found their evil, declares Yahweh. Therefore, their way shall be to them like slippery paths in the darkness into which they shall be driven and fall. For I will bring disaster upon them in the year of their punishment, declares Yahweh. In the prophets of Samaria, I saw an unsavory thing. They prophesied by Baal and led my people Israel astray. But in the prophets of Jerusalem, I've seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and they walk in lies. They strengthen the hand of evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me and its inhabitants like Gomorrah. Therefore, thus says Yahweh of, of armies concerning the prophets. Behold, I will feed them with bitter food and I will give them poisoned water to drink. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone out into all the land. Mm -hmm. Thus says Yahweh of armies, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds not from the mouth of, the, of Yahweh. They say continually to those who despise the word of Yahweh, it shall be well with you. And everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster will come upon you. Right? You'll note that uh, in the book, uh, I think I put it over here, Counterfeit Revival, uh, uh, Holly Pivick uh, describes a time she actually went to Bethel and, and they were practicing prophesying and the standing house rule was you can only give positive prophecies. You couldn't speak anything negative. Mm -hmm. They speak peace to people who despise the word of God, right? Who among them, God says, who among them has stood in the council of Yahweh to see and to hear his word? Who has paid attention to his word and listened? Behold, the storm of Yahweh, wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest, it'll burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of Yahweh will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it clearly. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, Yet they prophesied. If they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people, and they would have turned them from their evil way. Positive prophecies that strengthen the hands of people who are sinning against God, sure sign you're dealing with a false prophet. 
if true prophets would have turned people away from their evil and from the evil of their deeds. Am I a God at hand, declares Yahweh, not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares Yahweh? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares Yahweh? I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart. Note here, God is divulging the source. He's saying, I ain't the source of this. You know what the source is? Their own deceitful, black and sinful hearts. That's the source. And they're filling people's ears with lies that God didn't speak. You know, so they, they prophesy the deceit of their own heart who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, either, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal. So let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. <laughs> That's the written word of God. What has straw in common with wheat? Nothing, uh, <clears throat> declares Yahweh. Is not my word like a fire, declares Yahweh, and like a hammer that breaks rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares Yahweh, who steal my words from one another. Behold, I am against the prophets, declares Yahweh, who use their tongues and declare, declares the Lord. Behold, I am against those who prophesy lying dreams, declares Yahweh, who tell them and lead my people astray by their lies and their recklessness. When I did not send them or charge them, so they do not profit this people at all, declares Yahweh. When one of this people or a prophet or a priest asks you, what is the burden of Yahweh? You shall say to them, you are the burden, and I will cast you off, declares Yahweh. And as for the prophet, the priest, or the one uh, or one of the people who says, the burden of Yahweh, I will punish that man in his household. Thus shall you say, everyone to his neighbor and everyone to his brother, what has Yahweh answered or what has Yahweh spoken? But the burden of Yahweh you shall mention no more, for the burden is every man's own word, and you pervert the words of the living God. God, the Lord of hosts, our God. Thus shall you say to the prophet, what has Yahweh answered you? Or what has the Lord spoken? But if you say the burden of Yahweh, thus says Yahweh, because you have said these words, the burden of Yahweh, when I, when I sent to you saying, you shall not say the burden of Yahweh, therefore behold, I will surely lift you up and cast you away from my presence you and the city that I gave to you and your fathers, and I will bring upon you the everlasting reproach and the perpetual shame, which shall not be forgotten. Into this context, I would also throw in Ezekiel 13, because it's quite relevant. The words of Yahweh came to me, son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying and say to those who prophesy from their own hearts, note the source, Always and again, the biblical tests require you to determine the source. You must determine definitively that God is the source before you allow these words to go out. And that requires you to test their accuracy, test their content, test their orthodoxy, test their morality. Okay? So let's see here. Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are prophesying and say to those who prophesy from their own hearts, hear the word of Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh Elohim. Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets have been like jackals among ruins, O Israel. You have not gone up into the breaches or built up a wall for the house of Israel that it might stand in battle in the day of Yahweh. They have seen false visions 
lying divinations. They say declares Yahweh when Yahweh has not sent them, and yet they expect him to fulfill their word. Have you not seen a false vision and uttered a lying divination? Whenever you have said declares Yahweh, although I have not spoken, therefore thus says the Lord God, because, because you have uttered falsehood and you've seen lying visions, therefore behold, I am against you declares the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and who give lying divinations. They shall not be in the council of my people, nor enrolled in the register of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord God, precisely because they have misled my people, saying, Peace, when there is no peace. And because when the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash. Say to those who smear it with whitewash that it shall fall. There will be a deluge of rain, and you, O great hailstones, will fall, and a stormy wind break out. And when the walls fall, will it not be said of you, Where is the coating with which you smeared it? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will make a stormy wind break out in my wrath, and there shall be a deluge of rain in my anger, and great hailstones in wrath to make a full end. And I will break down the wall that you have smeared with whitewash and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation will be laid bare. When it falls, you shall perish in the midst of it, and you shall know that I am Yahweh. Thus will I spend my wrath upon the wall and upon those who have smeared it with whitewash. And I will say to you, the wall is no more nor those who smeared it, the false prophets, the prophets of Israel who prophesied concerning Jerusalem and saw visions of peace for her when there was no peace, declares Yahweh. False prophets speak positive words to those who are unrepentant rather than turn them from their sin. So we've already taken a look at Jeremiah 23. In its context, we've also taken a look at Ezekiel 13. And so here's some kind of more kind of rule of thumb then regarding testing the content of a prophecy. So again, the standard in the New Testament, you must determine the source. Okay, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. That's the, So we have to test the source, okay? So content is also part of it. So if the content of the alleged prophecy contradicts the scripture, I've given you examples of that, that person's a false prophet. If it adds doctrines that are foreign to the scriptures, like the so-called, you got to get in the flow of the Holy Spirit doctrine, that's, that's an additional doctrine that's not found in Scripture. That person is a false prophet. It repeats what we already know from the Scripture. Okay, this one's kind of tricky, but think of it this way. So if somebody says, the Lord is highlighting for me that he wants us to focus on Jeremiah chapter 12, this, uh, this, this certain Kairos season. That, that, that's a sure sign you're dealing with a false prophet because all, all Scripture is God-breathed, and Christians are required by God to know the entirety of the Bible. Nowhere are we to say, well, the Lord is saying during this season, he wants us to focus. No, he's not. Okay. That's sure sign you're dealing with a false prophet. How about repeats what we already know from the scripture? False prophet. We don't need the redundancy. The scripture is closed. Okay. We don't need redundancy. It's a blue sky prophecy. You know, this, these, everything's going to be great for you. Peace, peace, when there is no peace. That person's a false prophet. It is a word salad composed of meaningless prophetic buzzwords that can fill a prophecy bingo card. That person's a false prophet. 
If the prophecy is preceded with qualifiers, I feel like the Lord is telling me, I feel like the Lord wants me to tell someone, I'm not sure who this word is for, but if it resonates with you, when they put qualifiers like that in, they're a false prophet. And let me show you why. Because scripture is actually quite clear on this. When God speaks, <laughs> it was never Never. I feel like the Lord is saying, you know, kind of stuff. Okay, so let me do this. We're gonna we're gonna do a quick search. We're gonna look for this phrase. The word of the Lord came. Okay. Check this out. Okay. Throughout the, the, the Bible, the word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Han Hanani. The word of the Lord came by the prophet Jehu. The word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came to him. Nowhere in scripture do you have a single prophet or anybody who heard the, wor you know, the, the word the Lord came to say, I feel like kind of like this might be for somebody somewhere somehow. When the word of the Lord comes, here's the, here's the, the basic idea behind it. When God speaks, he will be heard. When he gives a message, it will be delivered. And to say that I feel like kind of like the Lord is kind of saying maybe this kind of thing right here, that's not God. That's not God at all. Okay? And the reason I know is because God doesn't stutter, nor does God whisper. Okay? When God speaks, you will, you will hear him. When he gives you a message, you will know exactly what that message is, and you will deliver it verbatim. Okay, so when somebody uses qualifiers, like I feel like the Lord is telling me, that means they're a false prophet. There's more. If the content of the alleged prophecy contains loopholes that, that place blame for the prophecy not coming true on the recipients, false prophet. Great example of this. Uh, you go, William Branham, you know, years ago, I actually reviewed a sermon by William Branham in one of his revival uh, stops that he, uh, that he was making. And he said, the Lord, the Holy Spirit just told me that if everybody here believes that I'm a true prophet of God, then God's going to heal every disease for every person who's in the audience. Was everybody healed? Nope. Nobody was. Well, why, why, why weren't they healed? Well, because the, the loophole was everybody in the audience had to believe that William Branham was a true prophet because if they didn't, then God wasn't going to, wasn't going to release the healing uh, gift to everybody. That means that person's a false prophet. Uh, how about claims God is raising up modern day Davids or Daniels. This is called an archetype prophecy. That means they're a false prophet as well. I, I think of a fellow I met uh, who used to attend Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, graduated from it, was instrumental in the audio production work for like five albums that, that, uh, uh, you know, that uh, Bethel Music put out. Um, and Bethel Worship, and uh, his name is Jesse Westwood. He was recently in interviewed by Stephen Kozar. I met him for the first time in Cleveland when I was uh, uh, being when I was in a roundtable discussion uh, there for the upcoming American Gospel Three, the docu series that's coming out. And uh, and Jesse, one of the things he he t he talked about is that when he was at when he was at Bethel, because his name is Jesse, people would prophesy of, oh, the Lord is telling me that he's going to raise up Davids from you, Jesse. Uh huh. Right. And that, and that never turned out to be the case. Those are called archetype prophecies. And if you do, if you give those, you're a false prophet. Okay. Because those, those are completely meaningless prophecies. If the prophecy is vague and is playing the Vegas odds. All right. So, oh, whoa, hang on here. I feel like I'm getting a download. 
right? I feel like in the year 2023, a famous actor uh, or actress, I can't tell which, I feel, I, I'm not sure who was popular in the 1980s, that, 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 that they, will, that, they will die in the year 2023. You think? <laughs> What's the name? Is it an actor or is it an actress? Which is it? Okay. They won't give you a name. They'll just say, uh, you know, they're just playing the odds. They're giving, they're giving enough leeway so that, you know, any person who, you know, was popular for even five minutes in the, in the 1980s, if they, if they die in the year 2023, that, that, that prophecy will be seen as being a true prophecy when in fact they're just playing the Vegas odds and, and basically making the prophecy so wide and broad and nonspecific that there, it could be fulfilled in like, you know, 50 ways since Thursday, right? If the prophecy employs the methods or, or, or the prophet or employs the methods used by mentalists, false prophet. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I feel the Lord is telling me, um, it, the, I, I've got a name. Does the name Mary mean anything to anybody here? It, it you know, does that mean any, yeah, <clears throat> that's the, the techniques of the mentalists doing cold readings. And if, if, if the uh, prophecy or alleged prophet uses hot reading, okay, this is what Sean Bowles does when he stands up on stage and he's looking at his iPhone and he's giving a prophecy and saying, I, I, I'm looking for somebody in the audience named Jim. And Jim has some connection with South Africa. If that's you, Jim, raise your hand. He's doing what's called a hot reading because he's mined their data from Facebook. Okay. If, so that if that person is employing hot reading to make it appear that God has given them specific details of a person's life, but those details can easily be gleaned from social media, that person's a false prophet. So I know that this is a long episode. It's intentional to be a long episode. And the idea here is, is that you're going to note that Scripture requires us, again, to determine the source. And it does this in the New Testament. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so you have, you have to scrutinize extensively anybody claiming to be receiving messages or prophecies or visions or dreams from God. And that's going to include accuracy. It's going to include their orthodoxy, how they handle God's word, and a whole host of other things. You cannot assume that God is the one behind these so-called prophecies. You must assume that this person is potentially going to be deceiving you, and you have to make sure that they pass every single test before, before you then can say, yep, this is God who is speaking. And you'll note that when you apply these tests to every single person claiming to be a prophet or a messenger from God today, every single one of them, without exception, falls short. They do not pass the biblical test. So we're not telling you to despise false prophecies. We're telling you to embrace the biblical requirement to test them. And when you apply the biblical tests, there isn't a single person out there claiming to be a prophet today or hearing directly from God who can pass these tests. So we are only to hold fast to that which is good. That means we have to determine ahead of time what is good and true and what is false. That means the prophet and their prophecies, the whole shebang, has to be scrutinized, period. 
And only after they pass the test are we to listen to them, not before. No one gets the benefit of the doubt. So hopefully you found this helpful, and I hope this will be a resource that can be used for a long time to come. And if so, then all the information on how you can share the video is down below in the description. And until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.